Her grandmother passed away in Sri Lanka uh, this past week or so, and I want to remember that family as well in our prayers. But we are thankful that you are here, and we are growing. Growing apostolic legacy, and I know uh, everybody here has struggles. If I were to ask, does anybody here have a struggle? Anything you struggle with? I would say everybody would raise their hand, that there is some struggle that they're having, and I know right now there's a whole level of fear and reticence, anxiety because of what's going on in Ukraine and what's happening in our world. And I want to speak today on our 10 greatest struggles. And I know I'm not gonna get through all 10. If I can get through one or two, I'll be doing good. And uh, so I'll probably speak on this again tonight and Next Sunday I have to be in Amarillo, but the next Sunday I'll probably, you'll hear this for the next few weeks about our 10 greatest struggles because uh, I'm taking them off of the 10 commandments because the 10 commandments are powerful commandments. My wife and I have taught on them and we talked about how they deal relationally with each other. And these were the famous commandments that Moses broke all 10 in one fell swoop when he came down from the mountain and saw the children of Israel dancing and around a sacrifice and he broke all 10 in one moment. I don't guess anybody else has been able to break all 10 in one fell swoop, but he did. And of course, we know that uh, David and others broke several of them in one moment. And probably most of us would be like the man that met Jesus in Matthew that said, good master, what shall I do? What shall I do that I may have eternal life? sort of believing that something we could do. There's some works, there's some, there's some thing that I can do that would merit me what I feel in this service, that would merit me being saved, that would merit me something that I can do. And probably a lot of things that preachers have said and Religion in itself has been the study and the story of what can you do. And somebody says something, and uh, of course, Jesus immediately turned that statement, that question on its ear, and he said, why do you call me good? Because there is none good but God. And I know uh, <clears throat> some of us around here you know, how are you? Good. We might add a in you. Good in you. I don't know what that in you means. Newark University, I guess. Good in you. Good. I'm good. And yet the Bible's 
plainly says there is none good but God. And so Jesus immediately cut to the chase and said, there is none good but God. And then he said, if you want to have life, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. And immediately this man said, oh, okay, which one? And Jesus began to go through some commandments. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, bear false witness, honor your father and mother, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man immediately started grinning on the inside and he couldn't stop himself from exploding back with the statement, yes, I've done it. All these things have I done since my youth and I know I am, I've got it made. I have got it whipped. And immediately, of course, uh, when he made that statement, um, Jesus, of course, cut to the chase. And the guy said, well, you know, do I lack anything? And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you shall have treasures in heaven. And come, and that next part was, and what? Follow me. And the man, young man was sorrowful because he was very wealthy. And then immediately the Lord shifted the conversation. It's hard for those that rich to enter into the kingdom because they, the point is they rely on their resources. They rely on their stuff. They rely on their ability. And we recognize that uh, the commandments has been said many years ago, quit being the 10 commandments, but the 10 suggestions. And then my wife and I taught as that they are the 10 rules for relationship. And we have a whole series, we have a little handout we can give you if you wanna look at that sometime. It's been many years since we've taught it. Uh, but basically the 10 commandments are divided into two parts. Commandments one, two, three, and four have to deal with our relationship with God. How do we relate to God? How do we honor God? How do we touch God? And then commandments five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 is how do we relate to others? And how do we somehow connect to one another? And yet we know that Jesus was asked later on, not, after, not by this young man, but, but by some scribes and Pharisees that came and they wanted to tempt Jesus. And they, one was a lawyer. You always have to be careful uh, about him. Uh, you know, all the jokes, sorry, Sheena, Sister Liz, sorry, I'm not picking on you, I'm just saying, it's, you know, they, they, are, they are meticulous in the wording. And they came to Jesus and they said, Master, which was a, a kind of a, you know, the, like, why do you call him Master or Teacher if you really don't want to learn from him? But anyway, they said, Master, uh, which is the great commandment of the law? And Jesus said unto them, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and all your mind. And that first and greatest commandment, the second is thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. And so I would say to you that loving the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, is commandments one, two, three, and four. Loving your neighbor as yourself is commandments five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. And so he was basically saying that's the two major um, uh, points that the law makes. And of course, you know, we believe that the gospel, Nick, uh, Brother Nick read it. I came, Jesus' first sermon, I came to preach the gospel, the good news to uh, the brokenhearted, the good news. And I, I mentioned to, in our meeting this morning with some of our uh, ministers that uh, we are living in a world that is devoid of good news. There's not a lot of good news out there. You can't turn on the news and get good news. Amen. Whether it's, well, the economy is going to shift from a gold standard to a Bitcoin standard, or you're going to be this, or this stock's going to fall, or the market's going into a bear, or Ukraine, and, or, you know, what all? There's hardly any good news. And yet the good news is, you know, uh, that the Lord came and died and buried and rose again and that we can have a relationship with him. You know, you don't live the news. In other words, you know, we don't live the news, but we live in the light of the news or because of the news. In other words, probably some of you got up and checked whether the weather was going to be slow, sleeting or snowing today and that made a determination on whether or not you were going to drive somewhere. You, your life was determined by the news. Obviously, if they would have said there's a major explosion in 23rd Street in Newark and everything is contaminated, hopefully you would have said, We'll watch online. <laughs> so your life is impacted by the news. You don't live the news. You don't just stand up and repeat the news. And so I, I was talking to our, our ministers and yet we will see that, you know, these commandments given us an insight as to what we will struggle with most of our lives. And I, 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 I just, it's a reway of looking at them. It's not deep. Uh, but the first commandment in Exodus, the 20th chapter, verses 1 through 3, God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The first thing that you will struggle with in your life the most, one of the most important things is a struggle with God. Now, I know many of you may say, oh, I don't struggle with God. I, you know, God's up there. I'm down here. Oh, yeah. Most folks struggle with God. Capital G-O-D. That struggle goes all the way back to Genesis, the third chapter. When the serpent said to Eve, Oh, guess what? 
hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we can eat of all the trees, but the fruit's in the middle. The uh, midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat of it, your eyes shall be opened and you will be as God. See, what we struggle with is, do you really know who God is? You say, oh yes, I know. He is the big G, the big father, or he is manifest in Jesus, but is he really God to you? That's the key. The struggle is, who's going to be God? Am I going to be God? And, and history records people that have made their own gods from creatures to values. Those of you that watch the Discovery Channel will find that even Adolf Hitler established a whole new religion of values that he felt were paramount and supreme and that the German people should be number one. He established it with God basis. Who is God to you? Is it a God that I made? Is it my idea? Is it my stuff? Is it the state? Is it wisdom? I've seen people that make learning, going to education, their God, whatever. And we have a whole, you know, we've heard it for two years. Follow the science, follow the science, follow the science. Probably like me, most of you have gone, what is the science really saying? Because you hear one report and another report and another. Think about it. Huh? And if you follow this science, well then, to cities, to cultures, it all boils down to this statement. I know what's best for my life. I know what I can handle and what I can't handle. I know what's good and evil. I know what I can do. I don't have to listen to the Bible because how do I know the Bible is true? So that's where we attack. That could be just somebody else's writings. And how do we know your God is better than anybody else's God? And how do we know that this is the God? And how, you know, how, prove it to me. And I'll make that decision. And we have a whole culture and a world that operate with that kind of mentality. I get to decide whether or not I believe it. I'm not going to be like some little leaming, lemming that jumps off a cliff. And we know Russia has said, you know, it's the opiate of the masses. and We don't need God. If we decide we want it, oh, first commandment, that's a great struggle. Who is God? And when you, when you consider who wrote this, 
who had those commandments was Moses. He was a Hebrew child raised in Pharaoh's household. And you remember the story, you know, put in a little basket and bulrushes and, and uh, to hide because the midwives were supposed to kill all the Hebrew boys. Remember all of that? And here, Miriam, his older sister, is watching and Pharaoh's daughter comes down to take a bath and this little basket floats out. She sees a baby. She believes because her God, one of her gods, was the Nile River. So her God brought her a baby. And so she took him in his arms and Miriam had to be under inspiration of God, ran up to her and said, Ma'am, do you need a nurse? I know somebody that would be glad to nurse your baby. Guess who it was? Her mama, the baby's mama, Jochebed. And so Jochebed nurses Moses. And I don't know if she became a nursemaid, if she, how long she was there, two years, three years, four years. All of his life, she got to come. I don't know. The Bible is not clear. But here's biological mother is telling him repeatedly, Moses, you're different. You're a Hebrew. Something special about you. And yet Moses is raised believing in frogs for gods and cattle for gods and beetles for gods. Huh? Nile River, Ra, the sun, the stars. He's raised with all these gods. And so he decides when he's 40 years old, he's going to stop the oppression of his people. And he grabs a guy and murders him. You all know the story. And basically his Hebrew cousins... Brothers, sisters say, the next day, who are you? You're going to kill one of us next? You were raised in the past. Remember? They basically throw him out. He goes on the backside of the desert. He is, finds, marries a lady, Miriam, and I mean, uh, yes. And he has been ostracized. He has no personal relationship with God. There is no law. There is nothing. And one day, you know the story. He is on the backside of the desert. Desert. You know what that is a type of? Desert. If you say it's not dessert. Desert is two S's. But to desert someone means to abandon them. It is desert, it is dessert. Not dessert you eat, but dessert you're abandoned. 
Moses, no doubt, felt very abandoned by his people, by his God, by everything. He's 80 years old. And all of a sudden, he sees a bush on fire. Lightning must have struck it. Here he is. There it is. It's burning. Bush. It keeps burning. He looks up again. Still burning. Hadn't spread anywhere. It's an isolated bush. A few minutes go by, it's still burning. Well, that's odd. It's still burning. Wow. I need to go see what's going on because that bush should have been out by now. And so he walks however far it is to where this bush is burning and it's not consuming. The fire's not going out. It's just on fire. And it's like, this is not humanly possible. Something about this is different. And he walks up and all of a sudden he hears a voice, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. My goodness. Out of this fiery bush that is not being consumed of these words and he takes off his shoes and then he begins to dialogue with God and this bush is still burning. And you read it, goes on several verses. And basically, the voice tells him, go back to Egypt, let my people go. And Moses, not being stupid, realizes this is an amazingly daunting task and says to them, this voice, when I come to the children of Israel, and say unto them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say, what is his name? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. We sang it this morning. I am, which was and is and is to come. And he said, thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. This is my memorial unto all generations. And that phrase, I am, in the Hebrew is why H-W-H or J-H-V-H. It's so holy that the Jews to this day won't pronounce it. If you read a book that they write, they will not even spell out the word G-O-D. They'll put G hyphen D. We add the letters A and E and make it Yahweh or we make it we add the letters E and O and V, or E and O and A, and we make it Jehovah. And it was, that's the name of God. I am. 
And it was spoken out of a bush that was burning, that was not consumed. It was as if this voice was saying, I don't need anything to exist. I can set something afire and it can burn for days. I don't have a beginning. I don't have an ending. I am the I am. The greatest struggle is who is God? And so go back to our verse. And God spoke these words saying, I am the Lord thy God. And then he said this to him, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, thou shalt have no other gods before me. You see, what we realize today is, and we know the New Testament, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And I know, I've preached, and I'm not going to read all the verses, but Jesus repeatedly, through the book of John, through the book of Matthew, through the book of Luke, would refer to himself as the I am. The I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the lily of the valley. I am the rose of Sharon. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Before Abraham was born, I am. I am the vine. And at his praying in the garden, when the Roman soldiers came to get him, and he said, who do you seek? And the soldier said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he simply said, I am he. And the Bible says the soldiers were knocked down by him just using I am. What, what are you saying, Pastor? Why is this one of my struggles? I don't feel like I struggle with it. I know he is God, but is he really God? All by himself, God. Not me, God. Not me. But is he God? You know, when you get that resolved in your mind, you will be surprised. God doesn't need anything from me. It's a privilege that I can worship him. What a privilege to feel his presence. What a privilege to know that great I am. Oh, well... You know, if I think I need to, I think I, it's not about I, it's about God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and there is one Lord. You know, unfortunately, people don't get that resolved in their mind. They believe, I can can decide, I can decide what I want to do in my life. I can decide where I want to go in my life. I can decide whether I, what I, how I want. I can decide how I want to serve him. I can decide, I can, and what's so wonderful about Facebook and social media, there'll be a thousand people that'll join you and say, go for it. Huh? It doesn't matter what God's word says. Well, he didn't really mean that, you see. That was written several thousand years ago and he didn't. He's not up with the times. Let me read you the first book of Keith Shostrand, chapter four. Let me tell you something, he is God all by himself. This is not my word. That's why you see so many verses on the screen. This is his word. Yeah. 
It's not what I'm saying, it's what he says. It doesn't matter what I think or feel. He's God and he's God all by himself. What are you saying? You know, all of these commandments start with believing in God and knowing what he's done for you. What, what was amazing is he didn't say, I am the Lord which created heaven and earth. I am the all-powerful. He didn't say, he, he didn't hold a gun to their head. I am the God that if you don't serve me, you're going to die in the wilderness. He could have said that. He, they later did die in the wilderness. But he didn't put force on them. He said, I am the God that brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Oh, he is not some dictator that demands we obey or demands we love or demands we worship. John 3, 16, we quote it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm here to tell you, God has everlasting life for you if you will only acknowledge he is God. I am not God. I, he is not my, I can't get myself ever, myself everlasting life oh I can buy a new car and I can buy this and I can buy that but the struggle is who is God who is number one in my life is my pride my infatuations my fears well I'm just afraid I wasn't raised that way I don't understand it is my despair number one are my superstitions number one? Are my heroes? Is my education? Is my money? What exists without me? Without some human source and is entirely self-sufficient with no beginning and no ending. My house, does it exist without constant cleaning and repair? Huh? Ohio State football team? Huh? What is it that I, whatever it is, it's not, you know, the trinity of pleasure and possessions and positions. The trinity of family, the firm, and football. We've got a society today that doesn't know who God is. And the greatest struggle they have is recognizing they need a God in their life. I need God. And you say, well, I, I, I'll, make, I'll make football my God. I'll make fantasy football. I will study it. I will learn it. I will, it, I will know who to buy and sell. I will make the family my, foot, my, my God. I will make, you know, I'll spend all my time and we will, I will make possessions my God. I, let me just tell you something. At some point, the struggle with knowing there is a God that is bigger than all this stuff, you've got to settle that in your mind. Because the question is, what dominates my thoughts? What dominates my goals? What dominates my conversation? What is the first love of my life? I want to tell you, that's God. If I don't talk about anything else, but I talk about my this and I talk about my that. 
then I'm struggling with who is God? Who is God? That's the first biggest struggle. And I, I understand, you know, when you look at this hour we're living in and, and we see well, what dominates us because what we know is every gift comes from God. We should, you know, you know, but I, absolutely, you know, you, you don't worship the gifts that God gives. You don't worship the good things that God brings to you because you will then be worshiping the creature more than the creator. So, you know, can you stand being blessed? Because when you get blessed before long, that your blessings become more important than learning about God, talking to God, being in relationship with God. James says, let no man think when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God doesn't tempt with evil, neither tempts he any man, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of what? His own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, his own desires have conceived, it brings forth sin. You know why it brings forth sin? Because it becomes more important than God. Yes. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above. And comes down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, of his own will. He begat us with the word of truth that we should be kind of first fruits of his creatures. What are you saying? Paul let them know when he wrote to Romans and when he said, because that which were known of God are manifest in them, God has showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that we are without excuse. They are without excuse because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. You can glorify him as a good friend. You can glorify him as something to do on Sunday morning. But is he your God? That's the struggle. Because that changes you completely when he becomes your God. He says, so they're without excuse. Neither were thankful Neither were thankful. I don't have anything to be thankful for today. You don't understand. I, I, this, I got this problem. I got that problem. Turn on the news. I got a lot to be thankful for today. Huh? Oh, pastor, neither am I thanking the Lord. And he says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and they, they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, to birds and to, <coughs> and to beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God gave them over to uh, uh, the uncleanness through their own lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies with themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. 
I'm going to tell you something. Greatest struggle we have in living for God is to remember that He is God. He is God. You know, because I, I, I want to set conditions, not love God unconditionally because He first loved me. For God so loved me, how could I not love Him? How can I not worship Him? How can I not come in and praise Him? How can I not read His Word? How can I not talk to Him? Oh, well, He is God, but you know, He's way up there somewhere. And no, He wants to be right down here inside you. He wants that kind of relationship. And yet, so many times, people have conditions for God. Well, if God will do this, I'll worship. If when God does this, you know, but if God would just simply, guess what? He's no longer God when he obeys your conditions. Think about it. The first thing you've got to settle is he is God. Yeah. Underline it, exclamation point, that's it. Anytime I put conditions on God, I have removed him from his throne and I've put something else there and usually it's me. And I tell you, I kind of like that place. And I move there frequently. And my biggest struggle is to remembering Lord I mean, I, I, what did Jesus say? Take up your cross and tell me where I should go. Take up your cross and just, huh? Oh God, in this hour, I will follow the great I am. Oh, I didn't meet him on the backside of the desert somewhere. But one night I got a personal acquaintance with the God that answers by fire. I felt the Holy Ghost and fire as it shuddered all my being and it began to flow out of me in rivers of living water. And I realized I didn't do this. This wasn't me. It wasn't conjured up. It wasn't some trance that I got into. It wasn't some meditation that I cooked up. But in that moment of just beginning to open myself up and say, Lord, I love you. I praise you. I felt the presence of Almighty God flow from my toenails to the very tips of my fingernails. And I want you to know that is who God is. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need anything. He's God all by himself. And he wants you to know he is God. You need to recognize he is God. Because you will struggle with it. I, I know my time, it's 11.17. And then the next one is about making an image of him. And the next one is about his name. And You know, we struggle with worship. And we struggle with how to worship. And we struggle with name. And there have been things that have been done in the name of God 
that we've been terrible. Read history, crusades, and other things that were done in the name of God, and yet people have taken the name of the Lord in vain when they shouldn't have. But that's no reason to stop believing He is still God. He is God. Regardless of somebody else that takes His name in vain. Regardless if somebody else tells you. And you say, well, Pastor, how do I know you're, what you're saying? Well, I could go through the whole thing of the Bible and when it was written and how it was written and how many years ago and it doesn't have any stories that have been yet to be disproven by science or otherwise. But the best way I know is to taste and see that the Lord, He is God. And if you will just begin to praise Him, believe that He is and that He is a rewarder. I'm going to seek you, Lord, because I want that kind of relationship with Almighty God. I don't, I'm tired of being the one on the throne. I'm tired of being my own God. I'm tired of being my own person. I want somebody that will help give me strength in this hour. Would you stand? Hallelujah. If you need the Holy you Ghost, are not a God created. I want you to come. If you want to pray for Ukraine, hands, you are not a God dependent.